Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I'm so excited because I have such a wonderful guest on the show today, Joanna Conti. And I'm just thrilled because today we're going to talk everything to do with treatment. And um, it's so important. I know this podcast is all about taking back your power and focusing on you. But let's face it, when we love someone with an addiction, we are praying for their sobriety. We're praying for their their, uh, recovery. And so we are going to talk about that today. And I have just the guest on the show for you. Um, I cannot wait to introduce you. So without further ado, Joanna, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, Andrea, thank you so much for having me. Now, you created a nonprofit organization called Conquer Addiction that helps families find treatment centers that have an excellent, independently verified success rate. Now, say that fast five times. I can't even believe it came out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, can you, first of all, tell us you are a mother of four. You've experienced addiction in your life. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, we have four grown kids, and um, I've had a a very diverse career in a lot of different areas. But when my one of our daughters um, hit late teens, we started to realize that she was having a real problem with alcohol. And over a number of years, it got worse and worse. And it finally became very apparent when she had to drop out of college that we had a serious problem on our hands. And um, Karina would regularly drink to levels that kill other people. So she would just guzzle huge amounts of straight liquor and with all the the risk and the terrible consequences that you could imagine. And so many times over five years, we find a, found ourselves in the ER with her with a blood alcohol level that could have killed her. And sometimes she was airlifted there after car accidents and so forth. Mm-hmm. We really went through the ringer. And um, What I remember so fervently from that time is looking at my daughter, who I loved more than life itself in the hospital, and realizing I had to find treatment for her immediately, and not knowing where to turn. I mean, there's, there's a lot of treatment centers, but my daughter's life depended on my finding a really good one. And I didn't know where to start. And, um, you know, each time I was forced to 
rely on chance comments that somebody had made. Hey, you should check out this center. You should check out that center. And I'd call them up. And of course, they were always so nice. I mean, their admissions counselors are really good at their job. Yes. <laughs> and I would say, and what is your success rate? And they'd go, trust me, we're one of the best, right? They couldn't tell me how effective their treatment center was. So you know that your loved one's life depends on finding effective treatment and you're forced to go on a gut feel. This place sounds good. So that happened over and over again during the five years that Karina was battling really severe um, addiction. And the good news is we always found really effective treatment. There's a lot of fantastic treatment out there, but it shouldn't be blind luck to find it. And so when the worst was behind me, a couple of years later, when it looked like finally Karina was starting to get back on her feet, uh, I said, there has to be a way for the families coming behind us to find the treatment centers with the best proven effectiveness. And so kind of as a labor of love, I decided to create a website called Conquer Addiction that would you know, help families find these centers. So I created this website and was then horrified to discover, this was back in 2015, that there were only five treatment centers in the entire country who were tracking their outcomes and were willing to share the results publicly. Five wow. treatment center out of, you know, the best estimate I've seen is there's 14,005 were tracking their effectiveness. So I almost gave up at that point because it just didn't make sense to start promoting this website. But I decided instead I'd start talking to some treatment center owners and saying, I don't get it. You know, why aren't you tracking how effective you are? This is healthcare. People's lives depend on your effectiveness. And enough of them said they wanted to, they, but they didn't know how to do it, that I said, okay, there's a business opportunity here. And again, as a side project, I started a research company that would monitor patients while they're in treatment for everything from depression to anxiety to cravings to satisfaction, et cetera, but would also follow up with patients after treatment to learn how they were doing. And we started that in the fall of 2015. Oh my gosh, Joanna, I just want to celebrate that you went from a place like, I love this person and I know they need help. And then researching it and looking for treatment centers, noticing that there was no, you got luck. It was blind luck. However, it's like sometimes your, their lives depend on this treatment center. So it boggles your mind that, you know, that it, there was, 
no research behind the effectiveness of these treatments. So I really commend you for seeing, <laughs> well, wait a second, like, let's look at the effectiveness. Let's conquer addiction, you know, and turning your pain into purpose is so beautiful. And then the fact that you found, well, there's another hole here that people don't know how to track their success rates and things like that. So then the whole idea of this whole research company that you created to follow up and to really track um, the success rate. So amazing, amazing, amazing. Okay, so <laughs> let's delve into that. Like, can we look into some of the, the proven strategies or the proven effectiveness? Like what makes one treatment center better than the other? There's so many different factors that I can't actually, you know, piece it all. There's certainly how effective are their therapists, I think has got to be mm -hmm. right up at top. Um, and there's a number of things we have found that really dramatically improve the chances somebody is able to go to, to go into long-term recovery. And one of the most important is how long does that person stay in treatment? And unfortunately, these days, uh, you know, a lot of the insurance companies want this very short-term, you know, let's, let's be in treatment for two weeks and, um, and then you'll be fine. And unfortunately, addiction, it took a while for addiction to, de to develop and the severity, and it takes a while for the brain to clear and to start uh, allowing people to start thinking, uh, thinking smartly <laughs> and recognize what their primary drug of choices is really doing to them and, and develop the abilities to stop using. So one of the most important things we found is the length of time that someone spends in treatment is really critical. And that doesn't mean they have to be in residential treatment for that whole time. They don't have to be in residential treatment at all. But if their addiction is severe enough, I believe that probably in most cases will be necessary. Um, you know, it, it's all across the board. A lot of people are able to just through sheer willpower alone decide that I'm going to stop using and I'm going to join this AA or NA or smart recovery or whatever these different, uh, you know, uh, recovery communities and do it on their own. I don't have the research experience with that group. What I have is experience with the group that come into treatment. And we've now monitored over 60,000 patients during treatment. We've followed up with close to 20,000 of them afterwards to see how they're doing. And one of the most interesting findings is that there's a dramatic variation in the effectiveness of different treatment centers. So while we, you know, if we look at the average treatment center, uh, they go all the way from, you know, less than half that percentage of success rate to, uh, you know, almost double uh, that effectiveness, it just all across the board. And it's interesting because every single one of those treatment centers really believed in their heart of hearts that they were providing treatment that was much better than average, or they wouldn't have invested in researching it in the first place. So knowing that all of these treatment centers really thought they were doing great treatment, and then seeing that 
some of them are doing phenomenal treatment and some of them not so much. It's, it's really, it's really, um, it's really powerful to have actual hard data that we can start working off of because we also, once we start and we're able to say, okay, this is generally your effectiveness. We work with the treatment centers to improve. And we, because we have so much information about their patients and what happened during and after treatment, we can help them continually improve the treatment they're providing. And the the biggest uh, hope factor for that side of things that we found is that among treatment centers that have been monitoring their outcomes for more than a year, 20% more patients on average are in recovery the second year versus the first. So just the process of measuring how effective they are allows them to set a goal and to figure out how to get better. But if you already think, hey, we're really good, you know, you don't even have a, a place to start in figuring out what could we do to be even more effective. So that's part of the what's really been exciting about the research company and what we've discovered. Oh, and I there this just opens, it's like pulling the wool, like you know, pulling the wool back or the curtains back. It's like <laughs> opening it up, right? And I love that you bring up this idea of hard data and you're talking my language because I love the power of science and how science can back things up. That's you know, that's what this whole SYKM community is about is the study of resilience and in positive psychology is the study of human flourishing. So it's based on science. And so you've got that though, you know, the hard data behind it, the research and the study that kind of proved the effectiveness of all these things we do to build up resilience. So the fact that you are in, you're bringing to the attention of these treatment centers, okay, well, here's where you stand now. It's almost like, here's how we can help you become more effective. Here's how we can enhance your effectiveness of your program. And also what I'm hearing you say is that there's no one size fits all and that there's a lot of different types of treatment out there. Yes. Yes, there are. There's, uh, you know, different things work for different individuals. And there's some people that swear by building a recovery community and regularly attending meetings like AA and NA and and smart recovery our research shows that makes a dramatic difference in long-term recovery uh, but it's not for everyone uh, there's also um you know a, a group that believes that um you know, if you've been using for a long time, you would be better off taking medication to help, you know, ease the cravings and enable you to get back into uh, a, a active life and gainful employment and so forth. And there's that group that also there's there that is the right approach for a lot of people. And, you know, there's there's groups that are faith-based and there's groups that are, you know, focused on uh, trauma-informed treatment. And each of those can be very effective with different types of people, depending upon what they need. 
So you can't just say, you know, everyone should go and do it this way, because I don't believe that that exists. But I think that there are, based on the knowledge of the person who needs treatment and what their interests are and what, what they're receptive to, there is really effective treatment in all of these different areas out there for people to find. Well, that's incredible. So, you know, whether it be medication, whether it be joining community, um, whether it's faith-based, what, so just kind of tapping into um, aligning it with the needs of the person that needs the treatment. Um, so how does one do that? So like, and I love what we had a bit of a conversation before you came on. And I think we were talking about like 70% of the people that call treatment centers are either the parents or the mothers or the spouses. Right. And so, um, what, what should we look for? Like if the listeners are listening, they're like, Oh my gosh. It's like, I remember when, um, I, 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 I love my brother tremendously and he did have to go uh, to a recovery center and have treatment treatment center rather. And, um, he, we literally Google searched, like that's how we found the treatment center. Like we Googled, you know? And so, um, I'm sure other people are doing the same thing, right? And then doing their research and, you know, um, looking at pretty websites. And it reminds me of applying to university, like the websites make their universities look <laughs> really attractive. And we got this program and this community and this and that. So can you help us? Like, can, you, can you make suggestions on that approach? Sure. I do think everyone starts by Googling. I mean, you know, when Karina was going through this, this was back in 2008, and that's what we were doing, Googling. But what people don't realize is that there's a whole industry in terms of finding people who need treatment and kind of... getting the most money for placing that person in treatment. And so a lot of the things that will say, this is the best rehab for you, they are owned by the rehab company or they are you know, collecting information on your needs and then they're, they're going to rehab A and saying, you know, how much will you pay me for this? I mean, it's, it's hopefully that a lot of that has been cleaned up. But what we have done uh, when uh, two years ago, and my daughter, by the way, is now been in recovery for nine years, we were able to find really effective treatment. And as a result, she has totally turned her life around. She's Uh, the loving mom of two little girls. She has a fantastic career. She's happily married. They have a beautiful house in the suburbs. I mean, you know, if you had told me nine years ago, this was in the future, I would have, it, it would have been incomprehensible because I was so concerned every time the phone rang that I was gonna hear that my daughter had died. And so, you know, I, I guess that's one message I want to share with the families who are out there really struggling today, and that is there is always hope. There is always hope that something is going to change, that the, the, the person is going to become receptive to doing something about their addiction, that it's finally going to click and they're going to say, I can't live like this anymore. Uh, Help me find the best treatment. And so I do want to make sure that that message is out there. A lot of people do recover, even though it seems when you're dealing in the depths of it, it seems 
it seems like it's endless. I, I remember so well. Um, but what I would suggest to anyone out there is my daughter and I launched a nonprofit called Conquer Addiction two years ago to do what I set out to do originally in, in 2015. And you can go to Conquer Addiction and you can enter what you're looking for in terms of a treatment center. You can say it needs to be in this state and I want this type of treatment and this is important and we have this kind of insurance in, in general. And you'll find a list of treatment centers with those with the best independently verified uh, success rates at the top of the list. And you can click through and learn more about any of these centers. You can click through to their website, their admissions line is there. You can pick up the phone and call them and you can see the actual research results for patients who attended that treatment center and how they're doing a year later. So that is what is available on Conquer Addiction. And it's conquer-addiction.org. It is totally different from, you know, the, the other sites that I mentioned in that this is a nonprofit. We don't collect information about people looking for treatment, let alone do anything else with it. We are there to help the families coming behind us to find the most effective treatment. Oh my gosh, Joanna, like you just like, I bet you just took the weight off so many people's shoulders. <laughs> and just the fact that, you know, you have so much heart in this. And, and I love that you're pushing the industry. And I love that you're, you know, um, you're making treatment centers accountable and you're almost like um, educating them on how they can grow, how they can become and have more independently, like an independent success rate that's that's good. And so that people can research and they can find this out on your website. And I love that. I love that you've created that as a resource. So which brings me to another question. You did mention insurance. Now I know everyone's listening from all places in the world here. Um, you know, some people might be scared of the cost. Like, um, can we talk a little bit about the cost and what people could expect around that? Or I know there's so many different variations, but maybe just give us a, a bit of education around that. Sure. There is a, a huge variation again in costs. There are everywhere from the resort type uh, addiction treatment centers where if you go to their website and there, they're all sunbathing at the pool and, you know, walking <laughs> a on holiday. the beach and, you know, horse therapy and so forth. Um, uh, there's, they can be very, very effective. But a place that doesn't have all those bells and whistles can be very, very effective, too. It's really in the treatment that is provided. And you can't tell that from how pretty the, the website is. Um, but you can tell it by following up with patients who left that treatment and seeing how they're doing. So that's what we're trying to to provide. In terms of the cost, it varies all across the board. Back when Karina was struggling with addiction, insurance companies, we never had them pay a penny of it. Everything we paid had to come out of our pockets. And we were extremely fortunate that we were able to dig down and, and do that. And I know a lot of families are not. 
Fortunately, there's been a lot of progress with the um, Affordable Care Act, what people typically refer to as Obamacare. It is now required for insurance companies to cover substance abuse treatment and mental health treatment, similarly to how they cover any other type of physical um, condition. That doesn't mean they always are doing it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things that I have been concerned about is that uh, oftentimes a treatment center will say, okay, we will pay for seven days or 14 days at this center, and then they need to move down to, um, uh, you know, an outpatient or different type of treatment or so forth. So, it does vary across the board. It can be very expensive. You can usually find some other options. If you, if you search, there's, there's often scholarships available. There's, uh, you know, if, if um, you know, if your, your individual is eligible for Medicaid, they may be able to get on Medicaid and get uh, coverage that way. So it, it's, um, you know, I can't say I'm an expert in that side. All I know is that it's, it can be very difficult. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, the other question I have, then you mentioned you brought up inpatient, outpatient, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that and what the difference is? And uh, is there actually a difference in success rate? Or does it depend on the, the individual? It really depends on the individual. I would say that looking at our research, um, most of the people who go into an inpatient residential type treatment center tend to have very severe addictions. Um, you know, they have had all sorts of consequences of their um, long-term use from, you know, letting themselves be put in unsafe situations to, you know, realizing they had to use more and more to get the feeling that they were looking for and, and so forth. Um, there's actually a very simple list that uh, of 11 questions you can look at to, to see, uh, you know, how severe someone's addiction is. Um, but anyway, if you have a very severe addiction, the likelihood is a lot higher that you would need some sort of inpatient treatment. If you have been really abusing alcohol or an opioid like heroin, fentanyl, um, uh, some of the others, you might even need to go to a short-term detox uh, first where, you know, you spend four to seven days really focusing on getting that poison out of your body so that, you know, you can start to focus on all the mental work that you need to do to really uh, achieve long-term recovery. And uh, unusually, an inpatient center will have the ability to do that medically monitored detox as, as part of their uh, treatment. So you have inpatient where you might go to a place, you're protected, you're getting a lot of typically, hopefully, individual therapy and group therapy and so forth. And the standard is 30 days that you would be there for 30 days. But there's 
Uh, that varies all across the board. And I'd say it may be closer to 21 days on average now. And as I said, a lot of insurance companies really think it doesn't need to be that long and 14 days is sufficient. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all, it, it changes on a regular basis by insurance company area of the country, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then there are various step-down type options. So, or, or you could start at one of these other options. There's something called partial hospitalization where you're basically in treatment during the day but you are living in a monitored sober living type environment in the evening. You're not officially in treatment in the evening, but you know, you're not out on the streets either. You're, you know, living in a safe environment. And then there's uh, what's often called IOP, intensive outpatient. And what that typically means is that somebody is coming into a treatment center or doing it virtually today. There's a lot of virtual treatment available now. Uh, maybe for three hours at a time, three, four, maybe even five days a week. So maybe in the evenings, they're coming into treatment Monday, Wednesday, and Friday evenings for three hours. And a lot of that is group therapy and, and you know, developing the community and hopefully some one-on-one -on -one therapy too. And then that can progress all the way down to, you know, after someone has been in recovery for quite some time, they could just be going to outpatient treatment once a week, just kind of to get, you know, just to have a little bit of assistance, but they're they're mostly doing fine. So you know, there's it's a whole spectrum of treatment, and the, where you need to start. Uh, you know, if you call a treatment facility, they can help identify what would be the best place for you to start and what your options are from an insurance side point, standpoint, and what you might uh, need to be prepared to pay out of pocket. That's incredible. And thank you so much for that thorough explanation because, you know, it's it's a new world sometimes, right? When you're investigating this and I know a lot of the listeners are, are like taking notes or, you know, like uh, <laughs> you're helping them in so many ways. And unfortunately, yes, it is sometimes the person who loves the person that has an addiction that is the one that's going to encourage treatment, obviously, and encourage them and, and find a place for them to go or to uh, find treatment. Um, so I so thank you for that wonderful explanation of it all. Now, you know that my heart lies with this community of the SYKM community, Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction. And I'm really curious whether or not um, the treatment centers that support also the person that loves someone with an addiction, because we all know it's a family disease. And I think the statistic is one in three people are touched by addiction. And um, so I'm really curious if you were able to find through your research that the treatment centers that also have... Um, um, support and resilience uh, strategies or support to help the loved ones, if that actually contributed to the success rate? Yes, I don't have actual, you know, here's the same treatment <laughs> with and without a family support group, but um, all of the 
inpatient treatments facilities that Karina went to had uh, pretty robust family programs where the parents or all of the family members would come for anywhere from two to four or five days and um, work through understanding how the family had, may contribute to the issues and how how the the individual who's dealing with addiction and everyone else could work more effectively together. Um, <clears throat> we did recently through Conquer Addiction, we recognize the most effective treatment centers each year who have um, applied for our Excellence in Treatment Award winners uh, awards each each um, September. And it was interesting. One of the silver winners last year talked about the fact that his family program, he was convinced was the differentiator and why their results were so superior. And he felt that bringing the family in to be involved, not just for a short-term program, but you know, meeting each week that the patient was in treatment, the family also needed to come in and get their own assistance and all be working together. He felt confident that that made a huge difference. So I don't have hard data saying, you know, statistically this makes 10% difference, but I do believe and many Many, many people in the field believe that good family programs make a dramatic difference. And if you're looking at a treatment center to go to and you're talking to the admissions counselor or you're looking at their website, I would really encourage you to look for what sort of family programs are provided or ask, ask the admissions counselor. It's usually on the website somewhere. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's so essential because, you know, I always, I always say the, the addicted love one can numb and they like, you know, they, but it's, it's, it's the people that love and surround them that are like the ones that struggle that we can't, we, we could, but we choose not to numb ourselves or buffer. And we, um, it, it's so challenging, right? Cause we're, I always say it's like mourning the loss of someone who's alive <clears throat> when you love someone with an addiction. And so um, I, I do see that huge value of supporting the family. And um, yes, and that's so great that that shows you that that excellence of treatment um, brings together this uh, support also, not just for the addicted loved one, but also for the family. Um, because let's face it, it's, you know, it's a family disease. And um, we really need to, as people who love someone with an addiction, to build ourselves back up because um, let's, you know, we've been on the roller coaster, we've been on the miracle oh. round. And yeah, so the support is definitely needed. Yay. It is so difficult on families. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, I've talked to so many other families, other parents who've, you know, their kids were in treatment with, with mine, or we, you know, kept in touch over the years. And, and it is, it is just so difficult so difficult. It, it tears, unfortunately, it tears some families apart because they can't come to agreement on to, you know, what is appropriate? What, what, what does the loved one need? And it, it's, it is just, it is, it is a, it is such a painful, difficult situation. 
Yes, yes, it is. So Joanna, you are just a wealth of information and I'm so thankful for what you've started and the impact that you're making on so many lives, the ripple effect of your research and just how it's actually encouraging treatment centers to up their game. And um, I'm so grateful for you being here on the show. And if you had just one more thought for the listener, um, what would that be? So one of the things, uh, thank you for asking, Andrea. One of the things that I am still really uh, discouraged by is that while we do have a lot of treatment centers now tracking their outcomes, it's still a tiny, tiny fraction of all the treatment centers out there. It's well less than 1%. And so you may go to conquer addiction and you may say, you know, I'm looking for this type of treatment in this area and we may not have anything to offer. So you may be forced to go to a treatment center that is not tracking their outcomes. But I would ask in a question, I would ask that the way we're going to get this to change the way we're going to get the industry to recognize that they are providing healthcare and people's lives depend on the effectiveness of the treatment they provide is if when you are choosing where you're going to send your loved one for treatment, just say, I don't understand. Why aren't you tracking your outcomes? Aren't you providing healthcare? Don't you realize how important your effectiveness is, your success rate is to families that are, you know, thinking about going there? And if the industry starts hearing from families looking for treatment that they really expect to hear about your success rates. We know that other treatment centers monitor their success. Why on earth aren't you? I think if we start demanding outcomes, the industry will really quickly change. And I think five years from now, we could be in a very different place where a lot of information on, you know, where all reputable treatment centers monitor their effectiveness and, and report those results as a matter of course, because that's what responsible healthcare providers do. Oh my gosh, so much goodness in that. I bet you if there's any treatment centers listening to this podcast, um, they're going to want to get a hold of you as well in terms of let's start the research. Let's start, you know, proving and like, let's let's look at the effectiveness because they could be really effective and then they could use that as a listing on Conquer Addiction and also use that as a selling feature too for their treatment centers. And it's going to make more people align with them in their treatment centers. So Thank you so much, Joanna. That's such a nice final message and it's it's wonderful. And yes, your finger, she's waving your finger here. You can't see her, but she's got another thought. <laughs> I have just one thing to add to that. You know, you don't have to use my research company to be on Conquer Addiction. This is not about my research company. This is, you know, go to however you can monitor your outcomes as long as you follow a standardized process. Just monitor your outcomes, you know, in, re in using real research criteria. And then it's 200 bucks a year to have a page on conquer addiction. I mean, this is, this is still a love of, of 
our love giving back to the industry and to the families coming behind us. So, you know, just yes, please monitor your outcomes. But this wasn't all some, you know, I know pitch to try and sell my my research company. It's go anywhere you want, but please do it. But that's wonderful. And I think that's such is so important. And um, now I know people are going to want to get a hold of you. I will put all your links in the show notes as well. And um, I can't thank you enough, Joanna, for being on the show and spreading your love and, and upping the standards with the treatment centers and providing us with so much knowledge. Thank you so much, Andrea. I really appreciate all you are doing to, you know, I, I just remember so much as when my daughter was going through this, how lost I was and how much I needed the support of other people who had been there before and other people who were dealing with it now. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.